Welcome to the first edition of the Canadian Crew podcast. I'm Jorge Castillo. The Canadian Crew is a digital platform dedicated exclusively to the local film industry, a vital yet underappreciated community that continues to grow. Last year, over 80 Canadian features were shown in theaters, whether as part of a film festival or had a commercial run. To kick off the podcast, we have an interview with the director of the Canadian-Norwegian co-production Revenge, Charlie Steinbaugh. While ostensibly a Scandinavian thriller, Revenge was partially supported by the Ontario Media Development Corporation and produced by Paul Barkin, who was previously behind Canadian features The Colony and The Tracy Fragments. Here's Shirsty. Shirsty Stengel, welcome to the Canadian Crew podcast. Thank you so much. Um, first of all, if you could introduce your film for our listeners. Yeah. The film is called Heaven, which means revenge in Norwegian, even though it sounds like heaven uh, in English. Uh, it's a film about a woman who travels back to a hotel in the fjords in Norway to uh, take revenge on a man who destroyed her little sister mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Perfect. Um, your film is based on a, on a, on a novel, straight mm-hmm. up by uh, Inmar Amjursen. Ambiance and good, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, not, I'm not massacring <laughs> the pronunciation, which is who's a fairly well known He's writer. He's one of our yeah best known uh, writers in Norway. Exactly. So it, I was wondering, how do you get the rights of, uh, of the novel? Uh, well, I think this is his. Is it seventh? Novel made into film. Mm-hmm. So he's 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 used to people uh, 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 doing weird things with his stories. Um, well, it was my uh, producer who got the. She lives in in uh, in Berlin. He lives in Hamburg, so they met. She read the book. She loved the book, and then asked for the rights. So uh, it wasn't more complicated than that. Okay. <laughs> so, what in particular caught your attention? What what was the? How did you engage with the novel? What? Well, uh, when Christina, the producer, t- uh, read the book and loved it and asked if I wanted to write and direct it, I first said no. I found the material too heavy. This mm-hmm. is my first feature film, mm-hmm. and I think I pictured that my first feature would be, I don't know, a bit more on the lighter side, maybe a strange dark comedy or a low-budget sci-fi or something, mm-hmm. uh, more in the lines of the films I usually watch. But um, but there was something with the main character Rebecca that I really like the ambivalence that I feel towards. So I'm not sure if I like her. Uh, I like her at some points and then I don't. And I think that's very interesting to try to portray a, a main character who you're not certain if you root for or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca is an interesting lead. Uh, she starts very emotion-driven and she becomes increasingly calculated. And I could be misreading this, but he even he, there's even a hint that he might be enjoying this a little too much. Or does she shoot? She's pretty good at this, and this is not how the mission, I mean, her mission started. Yeah, uh, I like to, I like the idea of uh, the heroine, in a way, turning into a violator herself. Because I think the film is about power. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sexual abuse is not about sex, it's about power. And she starts feeling power also. So Morten likes to have control over people, and when she starts to have control, she kind of starts to like it as well, which is not a good thing, but I, I think it's interesting. Uh, and I also like the arc that she goes to because she not only, while her, her mission is, uh, let's 
it's more is arguably morally justifiable. She puts in risks other people's well-being, right? Yes, she does. She uses uh, she uses the people around her uh, to seek revenge. Mm -hmm. So she is calculating and manipulating. Perfect. Now, um, oh, I couldn't help not being amazed by the look of the film. It, it certainly looks wonderful. Um, how, 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 how hard was to achieve? I mean, and it certainly looks, without discussing budget, like a million dollar movie. It's a low budget movie. It's, uh, I don't know how, how many, let's see, it's three million Canadian, maybe? Okay. No, not that much. Two? Two million, I okay. think. Something like that. But it looks, it looks, it uh, looks yeah. Uh, well, than Anna, the photographer, is a really good photographer. And uh, the first time we went there, she uh, joked and said that, well, even my mother can make this look beautiful. <laughs> because the scenery, of course, it's not that simple, but the scenery is really spectacular. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the so in a way, the nature plays also a, a, almost a character in the film. Um, the steep fjords are quite beautiful, but they also they have this claustrophobic feeling. It gives a kind of sense of claust claust uh, uh, claustrophobic and ominous look to the film. Uh, but one thing that fascinates me is that the, uh, when we arrive the first time, the, the color of the fjord is so strange. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a milky green color because of the glacier, and when it's when it melts, it goes into the fjord and it creates this very strange uh, color. So every morning, because we lived at the hotel that we shot in, so every morning when I woke up, I ran to the window because the, even though it's the same view from my window every day, it, it changes when it comes to the, how the clouds lie down deep in the fjord, the, 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 the color of the fjords. It was a fascinating place. I wouldn't want to live there, though. I think I would go crazy. It's kind of strange. It's it, it's again the claustrophobic feeling. I think it would, would make me go mad. But for a certain time, absolutely beautiful. And you shot this in the winter? No, we shot it at. Uh, we started uh, shooting in September. Okay. So it's uh, from it's the fall. middle of September. It's fall. Yes. Okay. So not not the high season, obviously, for the area. Uh, no, not at all. It's it's about the time when the when the hotel would close. It closes in the end of August because. It's a it's a house with drafts and winds, and it, it gets cold in the in the autumn. Yeah. Um, I, I, now that you mentioned the color of the water, you made that a plot point. I mean, not even a plot point, but you mentioned this yeah, within did. the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not uh, giving some infotainment also to the people? <laughs> I don't think we're that familiar with the look of the with the look, um, with that area. I, I no. can. I I'm. Well, it's in, a, in part because not many Norwegian films make it all the way no, here. No, But uh, that certainly is uh, it's refreshing that you're actually seeing a scenery that's not so commonly yeah, seen. It is kind of an exotic. Even mm, for some Norwegians, it would be a bit exotic. Uh, I live on that part of the country. I'm, I do not live in the fjords, though, but I, I'm kind of used to being Norwegian. We're kind of used to that kind of spectacular scenery. But... Uh, it's, I think it's nice to see to see films that uh, take place in those kind of sceneries in, uh, and not only in the main cities mm -hmm. or bigger cities. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking, your Kim Trier movies don't look like this. <laughs> <laughs> no. She's very fond of downtown Oslo. <laughs> yes. Um, of all the characters in uh, Revenge, what 
would you say was the most difficult to build or shape? I I guess I would have to say, well, it's Rebecca. We I worked. I had many different versions of Rebecca because uh, I wanted to. I worked on how how destroyed she would be from the beginning, or how I gave her many different backstories. So I I had to to be certain on how to portray her because everything evolves around her. And another thing I found uh, difficult is actually Morten's character because this I, th I find that it very often in film if you have a, let's say, a monster or a bad person, it's very easy to just say this guy or this woman, this person is the bad one, but you never explain why. And I, I find that I very often that I, I, I would like, like to learn more about that. Why, uh, what have shaped the person into becoming uh, the one, how he or she is. But then I had to, because this is not a story about Morten, it's a story about Rebecca. And I kind of find that that balance was a bit difficult. I had many discussions with myself how much I should say about, how much space basically he should get. <laughs> Since it's not, it's not the violated story, it's the victim story. Right. So I, I would say Rebecca and Morten would be the most difficult because everything is supposed to yeah, uh, evolve around the two of them. And the thing about the monster, in this case Morten as the predator, is that there has to be some seductive part of it yeah. for him to, to, to actually be an effective predator, which he is. Yeah. I think that would be difficult. Um, well, speaking of Rebecca, um, Syrian Jorgensen, mm -hmm. which is a fair, a relative newcomer. She has had a bit small parts in series and films. What do you, what did, what about her? Told you that she was the right person to do Rebecca because she's very good at it. She is very good at it. Uh, Syrian is uh, one of my best friends. I met her the first time when I was six years old and she was five. So uh, uh, she is one of the persons in my life that I'm closest to, and I did not think that. When I was writing the film, I did not think of her at all because uh, I tried to have a, a, a carte blanche when I was writing the character. But then one day, uh, Siren was going to come to my house to have some wine. <laughs> uh, it was raining outside. She was tired. Uh, she was in the middle of rehearsal of Mour Courage at the, the theater. They cut her hair short and she I remember that she stood in my door opening in the shadows, looking tired and with the short hair and the shadows just falling. And then I thought, oh my God, that is Rebecca. Because there's something she and, uh, and it was so nice to go through that journey with Siren since we know each other so well. And I think she does it beautifully because she has this, she has a bit of the, she has a lot of the feminine and the masculine at the same time, and she can switch. There's something in Siren uh, like she can switch from warm to cold mm -hmm. in a uh, in an instant. Uh, and I think she has a very interesting look. So I'm really happy about uh, what she did. Okay. Now, this being a, a thriller, which thrillers in general don't really allow much room for improvisation. But do you, as a director, allow your actors to make their dialogue there? Yes, absolutely. Their own? I love that. I love working with actors uh, like that. 
and I have no respect for the script since I'm also the script writer. So, so, uh, so it, that makes me. Uh, I have much freedom. Uh, of course, I do. I I have certain things that I want the actors to do, but I love to develop the uh, the character, the scenes, the dialogue, step by step with the with the actors. If something uh, sounds wrong or feels wrong for an actor, you should. Uh, you should uh, listen to them and of course maybe you do have some answers that the actors don't have you have knowledge they don't have but you should always listen to actors if there's something that upsets them or something or, th or their suggestions maybe sometimes they don't have good suggestions and then you just nod and smile and then you <laughs> silently make them do what you want them to do but very much of the time they have very good uh, solutions and suggestions to make things better okay yeah. Um, another person, another name that caught my attention in the cast of uh, Revenge was, um, I mean, let's continue mispronouncing names, uh, <laughs> Helen, Helen Bergstrom, mm -hmm. who was the lead in um, Turn, Turn Me On, on Damn It, yeah. which actually got distribution and, uh, and it did. Well, why, why did it seem, yeah. but this is only her second yes, role. I, uh, surprisingly, because she is so good. And I had only seen her in uh, in uh, Turn Me On. What's it called in English? Turn Actually, Me On, Goddammit. Actually, exactly the same yeah, thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's called Forme Profofan in Norwegian, yeah. Get Me On, Goddammit, in Norwegian. Okay, anyway. Uh, and uh, she... Um, uh, so I wanted to try, because in this film she plays something quite different. Uh, and I was really curious of how she would do it. And she did it even better than I would have expected. So I think she's a huge talent, really, and a nice person. She's a wise young lady. <laughs> yeah. And now, how come? Uh, how did uh, Revenge became a Canadian Norwegian co-production? It's uh, Paul Barking, who's a Canadian co-producer. He uh, and Christine Knudsen, the Norwegian producer, they met. I know that Paul wanted to. Christina lives, uh, as I said, in Berlin, so she has this network. I think she kind of thinks differently than most Norwegian producers. She sees Europe as her working ground, not Norway. Mm -hmm. And Paul was working uh, towards, uh, I think he was interested in uh, Scandinavia okay. and wanted a Scandinavian project. And then this one came sailing along and uh, they kind of liked each other and wanted to work together. What was there a condition? Like, uh, it has, well, they obviously didn't see any Canadian content in it, but I'm assuming that they, they do want some Canadian involvement. Yes, because it has some Canadian funding, so that's why all the post-production has been done in Toronto. With uh, at, so we did uh, the post-production at uh, Urban Post-Production here in, in Toronto, mm -hmm. uh, which has been really good. So all the music and the grading and uh, sound is done here. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, this is uh, you, you did a, a couple of shorts before uh, Revenge. Uh, was there anything you weren't expecting or prepared to when you jump into going into a feature? Uh, boring answer. Uh, no, I, no actually <laughs> because I've worked with many of the crew before uh, and I was just looking forward to having more time uh, to uh, go into a, a story. So uh, no, I did find the writing, uh, writing a script is a lonely and hard thing to do. How long, this, how long did it take I you? I think I spent a couple of years, at least. 
on the script. On the script, because uh, yeah, we, I, I kind of needed to make it my own. Uh, and also there's this, I mean, doing a film, it's like running a marathon. It's in, it takes such a long time. So, but when we started filming, uh, then things sped up. But it's uh, it's a long process, mm -hmm. lots of agony and waiting and not knowing, yeah. And how long was the shot itself? Only 25 days, so it's a quite short shoot because of it's a low budget film. Right. And did you find? Are you are you a many take director or? No, I'm not. I'm not a many take director. Uh, no. Uh, I'm um, I'm I am a sucker of, of long takes though, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm I'm not a perfectionist, uh, and I don't see the if I'm happy and the actors are happy and the photographer, I, I don't see the point in, in yeah exhausting everyone. Mm -hmm. So I'm more like a two, three, four time takes director. Depends. All right. <laughs> Well, um, in your experience, um, we do get a lot of uh, Swedish, Danish, and Finnish films, but we don't, we don't get that many Norwegian films. No. Here. It's a it's a reflection of the industry, or do you think that, or, or it's the it, it's a distribution problem. Uh, I don't know. I think we, well, we've we've kind of been uh, a bit. Um, it's both Sweden and Denmark have been a bit ahead of us. Uh, I think we soon we will get there. Uh, I think the quality of Norwegian both films and series are, are getting better. I think it's because Sweden and Denmark they've had a film school since the 60s. We've got our first and only film school for 10, 15 years ago maybe. Uh, and I think that's important when it comes to creating a, uh, an industry. So I, th I think we, I think that Swedes and Danish have been a bit more bold when it comes to the themes and uh, the, the premises of the films and series they make. I think we've been a bit too preoccupied in Norway by Second World War or the small issues that kind of concern us. Mm -hmm. I think we need to become better in making stories that also have an appeal um, to the outside world, and I think that's about to happen now. But the industry has uh, has the economic support of the of yes. The, of the it's been. State, I yeah. mean, it's made. Uh, I'm not certain about. I think it's about 25 uh, films that are produced in Norway every year, and That's we're not only. Bad. It's not bad because we have only five million people, uh, so it's quite a lot of films, uh, and some of them should uh, have the right to be shown outside of Norway as well. Mm -hmm. How's the, now in terms of the human, the human element within the industry, you, you, would you say that there is a community of filmmakers within the, within Norway, or uh, is more of an indivi uh, very individualized approach? No, I think there's a com small community. I mean, we're so few people. <laughs> uh, I don't live in Oslo. I live in the second largest city, uh, Bergen, uh, uh, and we also have a, a small community, a very close. Uh, community of film and documentary makers who refuse to go to Oslo and because we think it's important to be able to work to create the film industry and, and work with films uh, not only the main capital mm -hmm. uh, but I'm there is I it's friends and colleagues when I think that it's it's such a small industry so we know each other many others spend very much time together yeah 
I, I don't even know why I didn't think about it before, but I was watching this Norwegian TV show, mm. Occupied. Mm. I was uh, I was very uh, I, I binge on it because I had to watch I had to watch the whole yeah, thing yeah immediately and and uh, yeah it was, it was very pleasantly surprised yeah good Wait, um also on your IMDb page I saw that your next credit is the writer of uh, Viking vampires <laughs> it sounds a fantastic premise it's a good uh, it's kind of a snakes on a plane kind of title it, it's a great it's a great title I, I want to see this. So you're the writer, but you're not directing? Uh, no, we are. I have a small company called Mad Monkey in Bergen. We are three people, one producer, one uh, writer, and me, writer and director. And uh, me and uh, Chasti, the other, same name as me, two mm -hmm. Chastis in a company. Uh, we shamelessly uh, thought of uh, Viking vampire. What do people like? Vampires and Vikings. Why haven't there been done uh, that? Uh, well, we have been uh, working, I've been working on Heaven and the two other two have been working on another uh, feature film the last couple of years. So Viking, it's, it's there, but it's, uh, it's a, it, we're working on it still. But it has been, uh, it's, it has been on a, uh, in the freezer for a while. But it's, uh, it's, uh, as it's, it's a horror comedy, uh, not too serious. <laughs> So we'll see. And that's what's next for you, or you have another project? No, I right now I'm writing a, a, a Western film, actually. I got some funding to develop a script um, about uh, a woman or a young woman who travels from Norway to North America in the 1860s. There were like 900,000 Norwegians who immigrated to, to the States and Canada. Uh, and I don't understand why there's been so few stories about it because it's quite interesting. And I th also in these days, I think it's important for Norwegians to remember that we uh, we haven't always had oil and money the way we we have now, and uh, we've been refugees ourselves. I think it's important to think about that sometimes, from time to time. All right, well, <laughs> I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Our thanks to Shersti Steinbo. Revenge opens today at the TFL Lightbox and expands to Vancouver on June 3rd. I'm Jorge Castillo. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Crew podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at the Can Crew, on Facebook at the Canadian Crew page, or write us to the Canadian Crew email, all one word, on Gmail. Until next time.